0: hello there and welcome back to tales from a cult insider your new favorite podcast i am your insider and former unwilling cultist jared garrett i am here to whine at you about my childhood okay that's not true i'm just here to tell you some stories man or woe man i'm an equal opportunity weirdo so welcome back to this episode and to this podcast. And this is the big episode, man. This is episode 2 oh, episode 20. It's amazing to me that you guys could binge 10 hours of Tales from a Cult Insider, your new favorite podcast. And you could probably still not even be satisfied because there's still so much more to tell. And you probably still have so, much, so many more questions. Guys, today's question is the last one. That I have submitted on file. So from here on out, until I get more questions, we'll just jump right into our episodes. Today's episode is called Faith School, and the point of today's episode is to give you the kind of the down low on um, or lowdown. Man, my words are weird sometimes when I'm not scripted. The the lowdown on just how Faith School came about, how it was, how it unfolded, its history, uh, and then how it how we experienced it. It's going to be a bunch of little stories, little vignettes that kind of lead up to, hey, this is what faith school was like in the foundation faith of God, which was what the religion or or cult was called when I was essentially, uh, you could say, aware enough to know what the cult I was in was called. So quick recap of uh, me. As most of you delightful listeners know by now, I was born and raised in this cult. It was a real life commune and cult. Crazy, right? It started out in the 60s as an offshoot of Scientology called the Process Church of the Final Judgment. And it was one of, at the time, more infamous cults in the UK and the USA for just a little while. When I was born, the cult actually broke apart into those dedicated to the process, so to speak, and those who made a new culty commune sort of kind of thing called the Foundation Faith of the Millennium, which sounds a little foreboding, but also kind of interesting. And this one evolved over the years and finally morphed into what I was in, the Foundation Faith of God, or what I remember, and which finally became the Best Friends Animal Society in southern Utah. The Best Friends Animal Society is rad. I love them. I think they do fantastic work. Thanks for rescuing all the animals that you do. I think that uh, you're an irreplaceable part of our society, and I hope more and more people come around to your way of thinking when it comes to respect and love for animal life. Uh, quick, real quick, uh, housekeeping, as always, your questions will be answered. Uh, so don't hesitate to ask. You can contact me at jared at jaredgarrett.com with your comments and questions. Uh, I do speaking engagements. I'm doing one this weekend, and you can reach me at the same email address to chat. I even do corporate training, guys. Uh, maybe your questions and their answers will even be featured on this podcast. Ooh, I will name you, unless you don't want me to. If you don't want me to, well, i I mean, I guess I won't name you, but why wouldn't you want me to? I mean, this isn't a particularly famous podcast. It's doing well. Before we get into the question and then into the episodes, I want to thank you again, as always, for listening, for sharing, for talking about this podcast. Uh, if you're a newcomer to the podcast, hey, welcome. It's good times. Um, if you're an old listener, you've been around for a while, hey, you're a veteran. Do you want me to call you insider? an insider? Maybe I'll start calling listeners of this podcast, Insiders. But then I'm calling you cult insiders, and I'm kind of implying that you're in a cult. And if you're in a cult, and it's made up of listeners to this podcast, what is the cult? It's this podcast, and I'm the cult leader! No, I will not be starting a podcast. It's not happening, guys. No matter how hard you want me to, or no matter how much you ask me to, uh, even if you paid me I wouldn't start a cult because cults are not where it's at podcasts are fun though and stories are even funner let's get right to our question today's question is from Sandra or Sandra I don't know I knew a Sandra in high school she was great uh, Sandra or Sandra is from Cheyenne uh, she asks what religion was it anyway after all of its evolution look at hey man I or, well, man, in this case, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I can tell you that it was called the Foundation Faith of God. And it was called that for as, for as far back as I can recall. But as I mentioned in the, the preamble to all the episodes, uh, it started out as a process, Church of the Final Judgment, after leaving Scientology, and then it schismed. And then the new, sk- the, the new part that I, my mom and everybody, and the Marianne, the crazy lady who ran things, um Stayed in was called the Foundation Faith of the Millennium, but they must have changed the name pretty quickly because I don't remember that at all. Or granted, I mean I wouldn't notice that um, until I was probably seven or eight, so maybe they maybe they did keep that name for a while. But again, I don't I don't recall. I once asked um, somebody about what the religion was, uh, and um, that's a good question. He he couldn't really answer me, so it's hard to say what religion it was. Mostly, the thing was a commune, and that was its identity, was this commune and this focus on the animals, which, you know, is laudable. You know, there was a lot of focus on animals in Dallas, the branch I lived in for seven years, big time formative years, uh, was about other ministries, and we'll talk about that here down the road. So, I'm sorry, Sandra, I don't, Sandra, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name, number one, but... uh, I don't really know how to answer that without dedicating an entire episode to it. And guess what? You're the first question that is becoming its own episode. Uh, We're going to have an episode down the road. uh, We'll probably say five or six episodes from now where we're going to talk about what the religion was because that just makes total sense. Thanks, Sandra, Sandra, person from Cheyenne. You're awesome. Gosh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, right? It's got to be crazy cold out there. Mercy. Okay. Okay. Let's get to our episode, episode 20, Faith School. So we're going to just talk about real quick the history of Faith School uh, in, in as much as I know. Now, if any of you former cult siblings of mine uh, are listening to this, you you need to call me, text me, find me on Facebook, whatever, email me, and let me know how screwed up I'm, I am about this stuff, and we'll fix it. Heck, if you want, you can be a guest star on the podcast. That'll be fun. So Faith School uh, was born uh, from, from the foundation and from the minds of the adults who were worried that we kids were getting too influenced by the world. So, I mean, as you know, because I've said so multiple times, we moved a lot growing up. I was born in Chicago, uh, lived in New York City within a year, moved around uh, the rural parts of New England, uh, you know, eastern New York, eastern Pennsylvania, uh, nearest to Philadelphia, a great beautiful town called Quaker Town, which is where my first book, my debut novel, takes places in, in in a property near Quakertown. Uh, that's a good old book, I tell you what. I have other books, by the way. I, have I ever mentioned? I write science fiction and fantasy novels, man. It's fun. Uh, back to in, in, moving around. So we moved around a lot. We lived in different houses, um, often in large areas, like large properties, it feels like, because, man, we kids had a lot of opportunities to run around in, in woods, uh, find um, vines, cut down trees, build... Partial cabins, dig deep holes as if we're gonna trap some sort of monster. Pretend we're Bigfoot. Lots of different, lots of different opportunities out there to be to be crazy. Some of the pictures that I have from us as, as youths in rural New England, um, we look a lot like Lord of the Flies. And the fact that we were being raised for the but you know, for the most part, by British people, <clears throat> did not d- does not reduce that image of Lord of the Flies. Um, granted, it was a commune, not a boarding school. Uh, in any case, so we moved around and as kids stayed in and as adults didn't leave with their kids, many, many smart people did leave when they had kids and they realized that they wanted to have, give their kid a great life. They left making sure that they could be protected from the insanity of that Marianne woman. Right. Um, but many stayed, uh, resulting in about 30 of us being raised for the most majority of our life in, the foundation faith of God. They actually, the cult that I grew up in. Um, and, uh, but, but we were shuffled around a lot and I'm not entirely certain of why we were shuffled around so much. We talked about that in the you know, did we not have rent episode, but, um, we did move. And so I did go to multiple different schools growing up. I spent uh, time in in elementary schools in Pennsylvania, uh, New York, Dallas and Denver, um, just a lot. And then finally back to, you know, as, as I was, um, in entering fifth grade we talked about this in Dallas angry beans one of my most popular episodes uh ter- torn out of fifth grade there in, da- in in Denver to go to faith school in Dallas so after moving so much as as the the cult finally settled into several pretty permanent stable uh branches uh in, in several locations including Dallas and Denver and I believe Las Vegas I believe those might have been the only three because Las Vegas is what San Antonio was like. The San Antonio branch moved to Vegas, and I think that it stopped there. I think those were the only three branches. And then there was, of course, Faith Canyon, which was the ranch that they originally bought in Arizona. And then they were trying to sell that one for many, many years after they bought the one in, in near Kanab. And uh, gosh, it's got to be something like 84 or 83, like in the early, early, early-ish 80s there. Uh, and so they, that was it. That's, those were the locations that we were at when we got, I didn't need the yet. Uh, when we got settled, when the branches settled into place and stuff, things got financially more, more, uh, copacetic, right? We, uh, funders were making pretty good money soliciting the, the cash on the streets. Best friends had started making it, um, making its own magazine, which was well done. Matthias, my oldest brother, uh, wound up working on that and doing some pretty innovative, great things with them, making that magazine go and become an actual revenue source, which is really fantastic. Congratulations, Matthias. And uh, so as things got settled, I think they finally realized, you know, we're not supposed to be having our kids be part of the world. We need to be giving them, you know, uh, inputs that will guide them to have a different more unique, more pure, possibly, uh, headspace about themselves. We want them to be trained and ready to take over um, this cult, but at the same time, we are required by law to teach them. I mean, certainly some of them believed in the education that we needed to get, uh, but also law did require that we have some sort of schooling of some kind. And always, as always, as we all know, there's a compulsory schooling law in most states, Uh, in which either you go to the uh, government school, public schools, uh, or charter schools, which are usually public schools as well, Um, or you have to, you know, show proof of homeschool or some other alternative. In any case, uh, and so out of a need to continue to educate us, but out of a desire to remove us from the world, which was fallen, impure, full of terrible stuff, they formed Faith School. And Faith School was formed in Dallas. Why Dallas? That's a, that's a mighty good question. It might be that it was because it was the most revenue generating branch, that it simply was making the most money. And so it seemed like it had its crap together more than any others. I'm not sure why Dallas, but that is my first theory. Another theory is that many of the kids had been in Denver and those folks were not very good at raising kids, um, at all. Remember, I got the crap beaten out of me, um, when I was in Denver uh, not too long before uh, leaving there. So um, I don't know why Dallas, but it was opened in Dallas, and it was opened probably when I was in third grade, uh, just kind of as a soft opening, I guess, or something. That They opened with the kids that had shown up there. Dallas had become the Children's Center, which is also another episode that we'll talk about down, down the road. Um, <clears throat> the Children's Center had originally been in Manhattan, which is where the kids were. But Dallas became where kids were, and that may have been just where the, why they opened it there, because that's where kids were winding up. And why were kids winding up there? I don't know. Guys, I think I might be losing my voice. I can definitely make it through this episode. We'll be all right. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe faith school just opened in Dallas by default because that's where so many kids were. Or maybe kids were moved there because they were going to open faith school. I do not know. Chicken or egg? Don't know in this case. In the case of the actual chicken and egg, guess what, guys? The egg came first. Seriously. Anyway, moving back on to track, uh, Faith School was opened, probably when I was in third grade. Uh, The kids who were in Dallas started going there. We heard about another kid here or there, like in Vegas, going over to Dallas to start going to Faith School, or from Denver to go to Faith School. And then I was torn out to go to Faith School, uh, and that... Process continued for another year until all the kids were in Dallas going to faith school if they were old enough. The only kid who wasn't old enough to be going to faith school was my sister, my dear, wonderful, sweet soul sister, Emma. She's one of my very favorite people in this world. I love you, Emma. I doubt you're listening to this because why would you want to relive this stuff? But I love you anyway. Uh, She never was old enough to go to faith school. Lucky her. Faith school wasn't all bad, though. So we kind of have gotten to the point of, hey, faith school was established. It was established in Dallas. It was a bit rambly, but maybe you've gotten some fun fun flavor here. Uh, And so now I want to talk to you a little bit about what our days were like. So in answer to a possibly unspoken question, was faith school accredited? Yeah, I I hear that it was, at least for its first couple of years, I've heard that that's the case. I don't know if they maintain the accreditation. Um, I do know that some of the young people like me who... Um, I didn't graduate it from, but some of the young people who did graduate from it wound up having to get a GED. Uh, I don't know if that's because the diploma that they had in hand from faith school didn't look right or was, wasn't legit or didn't carry any real weight, or if they never picked up a diploma from faith school after they got out. I'm not sure why, but I know that a couple of people ended up having to get a GED, um, which really shouldn't have been that hard considering uh, what the experience that we would had in faith school, which had been I mean, ultimately, a pretty good education, not for knowledge necessarily, but for um, thinking and being learning to work and learning to uh, com- complete assignments and stuff. So, uh, a typical school day in Dallas, once I moved to uh, Dixie, was we would transport ourselves to... Um, to school, but before I moved to Dixie, when we were in Dallas, I was driven along with the rest of the smaller kids and the, a lot of the girls in a big van to the house that uh, faith school was was held in, and that house was called Bowser after the street upon which the house sat. So, um, sorry for the weird complex syntax. Uh, interestingly, sometimes we actually got to have the radio on while driving the couple of miles over to um, over to faith school, Bowser. And uh, every so often, cool songs that we actually knew because we got to listen to the radio sometimes would come on. So one was Wild West, uh, the Wild, West, Wild Wild West by that one club um, or by that one one band. Um, and a fun little uh, ditty or anecdote about that is, uh, you know, the Wild Wild West, you know that song, right? Give me, give me Wild West. Give me, give me save sex. Give me love. Give me love. Give me time to give it We Anyway. So, uh, she's so mean, but I don't care that song. uh, Hopefully you know it. Uh, it's called Go West. The band is called Go West. Yeah. When the song would come on, we would all sing along. That's right. We had a raucous fun time. That van would rock, baby. And, um, the funniest thing that ever happened that we did in that van was when it was winding up to the whole gimme, gimme wild west, gimme, gimme safe sex because of what our perception was about sex we thought sex was a bad word that shouldn't be heard or said. And so we certainly didn't, we certainly didn't sing it. We uh, would go like this. Gimme, gimme, wild west. Gimme, gimme, safe. Beep. Yep, we would censor it out with our own sounds. What a silly thing we did. My goodness. Okay, so we'd get to school. Uh, if, if you lived in, D- in Swiss, you would get driven. If you lived in Dixie, you would make your own way there, usually, unless the weather was weird or bad. Um, most of us had bikes. Sometimes I, we had to walk. Um, and in my case, I didn't have a bike, and I walked a while sometimes. And the, the walk, is, it was like a half mile or so. Uh, it took me about 15 minutes. If I dallied it took me a little longer. I could get there in 10 minutes if I hurried uh, by walking. Otherwise, the ride was five minutes, a really quick ride. Um, I had a Walkman. I believe I bought it with my own money that I'd gotten over a Christmas and a birthday. And I listened to a lot of Chicago and bad English during those walks and those rides. One of my fi- favorite memories is is, is uh, having left Dixie late uh, and also being one of the key people. So like, like I held keys. I needed to get to Bowser really quick so I could open the school. Um, I mean, I was late. I had my Walkman on and um, I had... Uh, Starship playing um, uh, on a song, on a tape that I had ripped that song, uh, Sarah, from the radio onto this tape, and Sarah, Sarah, you know, that song, I mean, that song pumped me right up, and I was zooming along, and I came screeching around the corner, man, I hit that corner great, and I didn't fall or anything, I, I straightened up and kept going, but my Walkman fell off, and so I had to stop really suddenly, after a really great, perfect turn, right out of the movies, right? I picked up my Walkman, re-hooked it back up, started it back up, and off we went. Got back to got to school on time and opened up the school. But yeah, the ride there was often quite fun. Uh, often um, it was a race sometimes, and uh, sometimes it was uh, uh, me and the other boys doing really crazy, stupid things. We would jump off of curbs. We would try to get air going under the approach into like parking lots where there was a bit of a ramp. Um, it was altogether just a good, a good time. Um, and then the, we had to drive up a quick hill uh, that was the driveway to the actual house of Bowser. So we'd get there. Uh, and then we would organize into our grades after focus class. Um, we, the grades were organized just, uh, you know, the, the, about a group of anywhere from three to six kids who are all around the same age would be in their appropriate grades, but all be in the same class. So I had the same history class as a couple of, of kids in a grade younger, lower than me, and even two grades lower than me in some cases, um. Just because it just made most sense, they weren't. They didn't really have a bunch of people who could teach this class. I think we had, well, at its height, four, or at the most five, probably just only four, maybe even only three. Really, Bridget and David and Jonathan. Um, yeah, teaching teaching classes, um, and that was that. That's how it went. Jonathan was really smart. Bridget was really smart. David was really smart. Everybody's really smart, but um, not necessarily experts in the field of what they were teaching, which is fine. They had great textbooks, I guess. Um, that's how the grades were organized, uh, and those guys taught the classes. I don't know why they were selected to teach the classes. I would, I would posit, though, that Jonathan probably hated funding and probably wasn't very good at it. Um, he's such a smart man, a bit of an introvert, though, uh, and so I'm not sure that he really had the gift for funding, for going out and asking for money. Uh, Bridget, I don't think, ever had any desire to do that, but she was a sweet lady uh, a very nice Texan, uh, l- lady. And, uh, I still in touch with, I'm still in touch with her. She sends, uh, digital advent ca- calendars to my kids every Christmas, which is really sweet of her. Um, hi Bridget. If you ever listening to this, I doubt you are, but if you are nothing but good to say about you, thank you for everything. And then David, David was almost a peer. He was a peer of Daniel and he taught, uh, the, the youngest grades, uh, really good dude, man. Okay. So, um, the subjects taught were all that you would expect, right? Math, geometry, um, history, English. Uh, so we'd do some reading, we'd do some writing. I, there wasn't a whole lot of serious writing, though. That I will say. Um, not much in the way of thesis statements or arguments or anything like that. No persuasives. Except for one time I did write a persuasive essay about why Jonathan should, should give Stephen King a chance. I was probably 15 when I wrote it. I'd been reading Stephen King for two years at least by then. And, uh, you know, I, there's this, there was always this perception that Stephen King was, was his stories were devil type stuff, bad influences because there was so much evil and monsters and bad and terrible things that happened. But I wrote an essay that said, you know, he was one of the, he was encouraging the best because he'd put these writers, these characters through the worst terrible kind of evil, but they would have to dig deep and find good and strength and overcome it and the good guys almost always won in his books and the essay actually convinced Jonathan he said this is some of the best arguing I've read in a while that was cool and you know and it and it got as I as I reflect on that I realized you know I was thinking about stories and characters on a pretty deep level from a fairly early age which doesn't surprise me at all because here I am I'm a I'm a writer who is not failing but not succeeding as much as I'd like to so far uh, so those subjects were pretty good, but not a ton of really in-depth stuff. We had French class for a while. Um, we learned to say, "Que Dieu vous bénisse, which means make, uh, God bless you, um, which is how we were supposed to greet adults and even kids, but we only really greeted adults with that in, in the foundation. Um, and then, of course, we'd always start the day with focus class, which was episode five. Go back and review it if you must get more information. Focus class was useful, taught me how to act a little bit, taught me how to lie. Uh, and then, of course, lunch, right? Lunch was usually just sandwiches, sandwiches made on on site. So there were usually, I think that when we did shopping for Dixie, we actually shopped for for Faith School at the same time. And so we would, you know, we'd haul over like a, several cases of bread or, or bags of bread and then a bunch of peanut butter and jams. And we'd put them in the small fridge there um, and we'd have like applesauce, uh, applesauce packets, maybe uh and maybe some fruit and orange bananas apples and stuff like that uh and man sometimes oh boy we would like rotate who would make the actual sandwiches and sometimes there were lunch meats of course because variety right uh and we uh boy we could make those sandwiches fast like you would we'd pull the the, the loaf we'd stick our uh, hand under the bottom of the of the bread inside the lo- the loaf bag all the way to the very end loosen up the bag a little bit and then we'd pull our hand and arm out and the whole um, loaf of bread would come out, sliced loaf of bread would come out on our hand, we'd set it down and then we'd, you know, make a row of bread on one, one row of bread and then just under it on the same flat table another row of bread and just basically wipe a bunch of peanut butter across the top row and a bunch of jam across the bottom row and flip them and we'd have 10 sandwiches in about two minutes. We were fast. We hated the work but we would just do it fast because might as well just get it done so you can get some time to yourself. Uh, we were also expected to clean up. We kept the kitchen clean, kept the uh, where we ate lunch clean, which was at our desks usually. Um, did we move to higher grades? Sure. Nobody ever made any kind of deal of it. It was just, we would mark it in our own minds. At least in my case, I would just mark it in my own mind. Oh, okay. I'm in sixth grade. Oh, I'm in seventh grade. And to this day, I struggle keeping track of what is middle school and what is high school. And I know it, it varies in some places too, but yeah, I, No, no deal made of it whatsoever. Um, For me, my biggest um, albatross at faith school was algebra. Man, algebra sucked. Uh, Jonathan taught it and he understood it, but he was a terrible teacher of it. No offense, man. I just couldn't get it. He would just say, you just flip the equation, make it negative. And I'm like, but you can't because I I was assuming it it was real stuff. And it is, ultimately, I don't want to influence you badly. Algebra does represent something real in the world. But I wasn't understanding that, you know, what it meant to switch it to negative and how that affected the whole equation. And so algebra was impossible for me. And I have an an admission here um, because I ended up with keys to get into Bowser uh, and also to get into Dixie. Every so often, every couple of weeks when I was just lost, completely lost, I'd go back to Bowser in the middle of the of the like a Saturday or in the early evening or something, when I knew it would be abandoned, and I would open Jonathan's desk and get out the teacher copy of the algebra book, and I would look up the answers and write them down on my own paper. Now, to my credit, I would then go back and try to understand it. But I tell you what, man, far too often I just wouldn't understand it, and so, but I cheated, but tried to retrofit my own understanding. Algebra was hard, and I paid for that. I ended up in college having to take a pre-college math class and um, did as well as I could in it. And, 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 you know, learned what I needed to learn, and I've learned my lesson. Uh, history class was pretty good. Bridget had us do music and skits. She had some, um, she had us sing, make up some songs, or she wrote even some songs based on the tune of, like, Beatles songs, which is a shame because I'm not a huge fan of the Beatles. Oh, I've lost half my listeners. I'm just not. I... Yeah. I could do without, you know, they're just they're a little boring to me. anyway, um, or just weird, right? Uh, cool skits sometimes. And then art class was the best. Um, art class, for, for for being such a grumpy, temperamental old bear, Jason, Vanessa and Johanna's father, Lucia's husband, had such incredible ability and skill with art. and he was so dedicated to art. And, and that that he, he brought unbelievable opportunities to us there at faith school. I mean, things that nobody does in, in, in regular schools, guys. I mean, we did stuff that you do as well, drawing and painting and art and stuff. But we did painting, like on real canvases with real acrylics and then real oils. And, you know, he would coach us on proportions and shades and sizes. And there weren't that many of us. And so he could coach us pretty one-on-one. And he taught us, you know, how to how to get at color and we did paper mache we did screen printing for art class for a couple of months we wrote scripted dir- did did the production design and then filmed a bunch of videos for art class and i know that there's evidence of those videos because i'm pretty sure at least one of my old sibling cult siblings has at least one of those things on video. Hopefully, it's been digitized to DVD. But we filmed a bunch of like fifteen long, fifteen-minute-long movies, and one of them was called "The Inedibles," and it was a play or a parody of "The Untouchables," but it was about inedible cookies being, uh, and, and it was a terrible crime or crime syndicate being run by some some creature named Alka Cookie or something like that which was one of the kids dressed up in a giant cookie costume. It was so bizarre. I was in every one of the movies because I was one of the more interesting, better actors, which is weird because I was such a shy stinker face. But I, got, I had a lot of fun with those act, the acting in those, and that obviously served me well throughout my life too. But art class, Jason, you know, for all the dislike I had for you sometimes and how I wish you wouldn't have been so sometimes abusive, you thank you so much for the art opportunities you gave me, and my cult siblings. And my love, uh, thank you so much for it, man. All the interest, all the curiosity, all the fun, all the experience we got was great, guys. <clears throat> we like sculpted in clay people's heads, subjects of our in our own class. I got stuck with Manuel, but what are you gonna do? He's a nice enough guy. Um, we did, uh, we would sculpt it, and then we even cast it in plaster, and that was amazing. We learned how to like do the, have, have a plaster cast that you could divide down the middle and then you'd fill it with, you know, the actual plaster that would become the, 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 the sculpture. And then we, sh- we would learn to sand it and, 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 and smooth it and polish it. We even helped him do some extraordinary artwork of a, like a, an Egyptian style cat. Just the art class was the single highlight of, of face school. Absolutely. Um, Man, we did screen printing. Uh, like I said, we did linoleum block printing. We did so many cool things. Uh, and, and I just, I'm very grateful to, to Jason for that. Last thing real quick. Um, my, I was sure, even though Matthias, my oldest brother, my older brother, my current oldest brother, because <laughs> Daniel passed, as you heard last episode, uh, he was the first valedictorian at faith school. This is the guy who took home trigonometry books and calculus books for uh, enjoyable reading at home. He's just such a curious, smart guy, um, always interested in things that could, you know, solving things and and finding complex the, the complex answers to the hugely complex problems. But even though he had been the valedictorian, I had, I always, as I was, not always, but as I was getting into the higher grades, I know we're almost out of time. As I was getting to my higher grades, you know, going through 10th grade and then 11th grade kind of unfolding... I started realizing that I really didn't have any confidence that my diploma from faith school was going to be worth anything. And so I, you know, started doing research at the Dallas Public Library about GEDs because I was really worried that I would have to go and get a GED um, after getting my fake diploma from faith school. But I was also determined to be my own class as valedictorian. Um, And I don't know if I was on track to do that because algebra sucked. Even with the sort of cheating and retro kind of backwards learning I was doing. Um, I'm pretty sure Asta had better grades than me. Anyway, so um, that is it for uh, faith school. Just to, you know, to pay off that little question. Yeah, actually, I didn't have a diploma from faith school because I got out before I um, I finished 11th grade. But I didn't have to go to 12th grade there. I went to 12th grade in public school. I'm going to tell the escape story I am. It's probably going to be a, a two-episode or three-episode special. But that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Hey, guys. If I could ask you a favor, I I would love it if you would share this podcast with your friends. Now, sincerely, um, talk about it. Tweet about it. Instagram about it. You're welcome to use the artwork there. Share about it. And if you could do a hashtag, Tales from a cult Insider, that'd be helpful and I'd see it. Uh, tweet at me, find me on Instagram. I'm just Jared Garrett on Instagram. I'd love to hear your experiences. I'd love to see the signal boosted. Uh, I, I really believe that this podcast could go somewhere. And so if you would just share pe- share it with your friends and share it with people on the social medias, I, w- I I thank you in advance for that. And if you're able to click on the link below to support the podcast, fantastic. That'd be great. But if nothing else, let's keep the listeners growing. And uh, Maybe I'll get another big sponsor since my last sponsor finished its campaign and moved on. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you again for episode 21. And there will be payroll in that episode. So come right back in a week. Take care, guys. And stay hungry.